Welcome to Volt Foss with Anna Taylor and Eric Summerlot, a podcast where we dive deep into the questions we often forget to ask and search for the answers. Why does our society neglect its most vulnerable? Why do we place such importance on man-made concepts? And what can we do to chart a course to a brighter future? It's time to break free from the traditional and create a new world of love and acceptance along the way. Hey guys, welcome back to episode four of Volt Foss. I'm here with Eric. Hi guys. Okay, today we're going to be talking about revolutionary feminism and its origins and where it came from and the struggles that it's had to get where it is now. And we're also going to talk about toxic masculinity and how misconceptions around the two kind of intertwine to create this weird monster of what's expected between men and women and how they differ within society. And in this episode, I feel like the language is kind of, it's kind of exclusionary because it's kind of hard. Obviously, I don't think that there's only two genders and that it's Mm -hmm. men and women. Mm But in regards to feminism, obviously individuals on the transgender and non-binary spectrums fall into that category. Mm. And we'll talk about that later and kind of dive more into that. Mm. But I just want to say I don't mean to sound exclusionary when talking about men versus women. But the kind of language around these topics is kind of difficult to really categorize in, in the way that we actually see the world now. So, Sure. And, you know, I think it kind of relates to almost anything we discuss from a revolutionary standpoint. And we have to look at it from perspectives of power. And the fact of the matter is that assigned male at birth folks have a position of power that they're granted inherently in our Mm -hmm. society. And I just think that... To best be understood by the largest possible audience, there might be times where our language here is less than inclusive. It's definitely not intended to be mm-hmm. that way. And uh, feel free to, you know, call us out and help us get better at it if if we flub something terribly. So. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to kind of dive into kind of the history of feminism, where it started, um, particularly how it pertains to leftism, uh, because I think, well, honestly, the right is clearly behind mm-hmm. on the feminist uh, scale, I would say, in general, even though girls think it's empowering to brag about voting for Trump and, you know, that pick me energy. But anyway, that's their prerogative. I'm not here to bash on anyone, although what the fuck. Uh, <laughs> moving on. As most people think of feminism, they think men versus women. Mm-hmm. Women want to be better than men. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of reactionary view of feminism is, well, women just want to be better than men or women want equal pay or, or this or that. And that's all... I mean, not quite true. <laughs> it's, not, it's not really a matter of women going around saying, like, no, we demand to be better than men. Mm-hmm. Honestly, 
I think it's about time that women are treated better than men because men have had hundreds and thousands of years of being prioritized. So for me, I'm not necessarily against that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but however, that's just a matter of uplifting people who are marginalized in general. That doesn't just pertain to women. But really how it started was just a matter of in the working class, women were entering the workforce. Mm -hmm. And that was seen as a big win because as we've talked about in the past, a lot of the homemaking jobs that they did weren't valued. Mm -hmm. They're not paid jobs. They really were kind of trapped in these relationships that they were in because what else were they gonna do? So as women entered the workforce, they really saw that as a big win, which is, which is fine. It's fine to say, yes, women deserve to make their own money and support themselves. I mean, that's obviously great. But the problem is, under a capitalist system, women go from being oppressed by their husbands to being oppressed by their boss. Absolutely. Yep. So really, the difference is just a change in the oppressor. Mm -hmm. it, it's great that women are making their own money at this time and, and doing what's best for themselves and their families, but that kind of created this illusion of identity politics where I've seen it before. Uh, there's, that, there's that meme of drones dropping bombs in the middle mm -hmm. of the e Middle East. And the people are like, well, at least they were sent by a woman this time. Yeah. Yeah. Just having a woman in leadership does not count as a win for feminism. And I think that's kind of early on in the early stages of feminism that people still think exists today, which it, it does, but it's not really the feminism that we should be practicing. It's, it's still very reactionary and it's very not helpful. Just because you have a woman CEO doesn't mean you work for a good company. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that the other women are being paid mm -hmm. the same or better than men. It doesn't mean that they're following good practices of putting women first. It just means that they happen to put a woman there mm -hmm. to look better. And so I think that's kind of important in the sense of you don't have a feminist movement just because you have women as the oppressor. Sure. You have to get rid of the oppressor altogether to free everyone. Sure. There's a great book by an author named Bell Hooks. Its title of the book is Ain't I a Woman? And it kind of discusses the struggles specific to black women in America. One part that I found incredibly telling, sort of this reactionary feminism, mm -hmm. is when the uh, suffragettes were going to get the vote. One of the first things that they, first rhetorical arguments that they used was, well, these black men, and I, I'm not using the slur, but they were using the slur, mm -hmm. these black men are able to vote, and us pure white women aren't able to vote. Mm -hmm. So you see the limitations early on, even, of a non-intersectional reactionary feminism. Absolutely. Uh, sort of that boss girl, a politic mm -hmm. of, not looking to subvert power dynamics, not looking to move past right. to a better, more inclusive society, mm -hmm. just a shuffling so that people feel like they could possibly one day be in that position of power. Right. Uh, and, and it's 
it's been something that's so deeply steeped in the American liberal conception of, of feminism, what we've kind of been referring to as reactionary feminism mm-hmm. on this episode, that you consistently see things like uh, the Women's March excluding Muslim women based mm-hmm. on different reactionary criteria that they place upon them. Mm-hmm. You see things like Raytheon applauding uh, more women in their workforce. Well, yeah. great. <laughs> great. More people making Sidewinder missiles to go kill right. predominantly brown and black women right. across the thing. So I think that you see pretty quickly, historically, the limitations of reactionary feminism. This idea of, well, if we had more women CEOs, mm-hmm. things would be better. It's not. No. Well, and as you said, primarily those positions of power are going to white women. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of where, as time went on, at least in Marxist feminism, they really quickly got called out and said, you know, you can fight capitalism, you can fight oppression, but if you're just putting more white women in power, you're not really helping anyone. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where the intersectionality came in of black women and brown women saying, hey, what is unfair for you is not the same as what is unfair for us. We still have it worse. Not, I mean, really, it's not not to play oppressed Olympics, but the, the challenges even now, but particularly back then, that black and brown women face are different than the challenges that white women face. I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no way around it. And I think uh, one of my favorite sayings that pertains to this is it doesn't matter if someone's shattering the glass ceiling if most of the women are in the basement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, that's a good one. They, I like that. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything. Yeah. It projects one person and one voice that doesn't represent the vast majority of women. And even then, as, as intersectionality came on the scene, I mean, things were better. The issue is, with leftist men in particular, even back then there was an issue of your feminist agenda is damaging the leftist movement. Women were fighting in the workplace for equal pay and equal treatment. And even back then, leftist men who were supposed to be comrades pretty much told them, hey, can you tone it down? We're trying to work on the movement as a whole. Mm -hmm. And you fighting for specifically your rights is damaging our movement. Mm -hmm. We all need to just focus up together and then once we, you know, once things get better for us, we can help you guys also push your agenda along. Sure, and I, you know, I think we see it today increasingly uh, with the so-called dirtbag left. These these folks that have this idea that we need to appeal to the most reactionary uh, folks in the working class mm-hmm. so that we can somehow overthrow the whole thing and by not paying any attention to anything but class they're class reductionists Mm -hmm. it's an incorrect line Mm -hmm. and it misses the entire thrust of revolutionary marxism Mm -hmm. which is an inversion of the class society going back to kind of what i referenced earlier with bell hooks 
if you do not put brown and black women at the forefront mm -hmm. being the most maltreated mm -hmm. in our society, especially queer, not a quote, non-heteronormative brown and black women, if you don't put them at the forefront of your movement, you've missed the entire point. Yes. The, the whole thrust of Marx, the whole thrust of Lenin, the whole thrust of Mao, any one of your favorite lefty authors, you've missed the point. Mm -hmm. Because the point is not, yay, we're all equal now, right. suddenly and, and quickly. Right. Everything in history moves slowly, and everything in history moves according to inverting or keeping in place the dynamics and powers that exist. Mm -hmm. You talked briefly about, oh, well, I'm not so certain we shouldn't have women over men. I think we absolutely should. I think the time is, is long past to invert that power dynamic yeah. so that non-male comrades are centered and placed in leadership positions, mm -hmm. and us male comrades back, support, listen to, and follow those non-male comrades. It's simple Marxism. When he talks, and he's writing back in the 1900s, or the 1800s, pardon me, when he talks about putting the proletariat, the working class, in an oppressive relationship with regards to the capital, the bourgeoisie, mm -hmm. he's not making some sort of prophetic must be followed to the T exclamation. Right. He's making a, a material analysis of his conditions. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest flaws I see and many other people have seen on the left with Marx is he doesn't appropriately address gender disparities. Mm -hmm. He doesn't appropriately address the reproductive uh, work that non-male folk do mm -hmm. for essentially free, quotes around free. Right that without which the working class would either starve or the capitalist class would either have to give more concessions. Yeah. And we see this as, as women enter the workforce. Now it's turned from basic cost of living is to where one income can support a family of, of four. Mm -hmm. It's turned from that to now women are expected not just to carry all the yes. reproductive work in the house. But also contribute. But also, exactly. And I'm sorry, men, but if you don't do the dishes and you claim to be a leftist, you can get the fuck out of any org I'm in <laughs> because you're not welcome and revolution starts at the home. Well, and in reference to that, if I hear one more man talk about babysitting his kids. Oh, Jesus. Don't get me started. <laughs> Don't get me started. Women are already expected to carry all of that burden and then also now work on top of that. So, men, do your damn part. Mm -hmm. You need to take care of the house and take care of the kids as well. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of, yeah, kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent there. But... I do want to say the problem that came, at least back in the 70s, the problem that came with intersectionality is that in kind of this liberal standpoint, people care about themselves. Mm -hmm. So white women were working to better white women, black women were working to better black women, brown women, brown women, and even as the transgender scene came about just non-male people in general were focusing on their subset. Mm -hmm. So you had kind of this splintering of the feminist movement into all these subcategories. Mm -hmm. And as much as I think it's important to focus on those, the problem is 
black and brown non-male individuals are still at a disadvantage. I'm not saying, oh, they need white women to come save them because that's obviously not the case. However, if it's splintered to the point that everyone is only focused on their group, it's still going to be counterproductive because you're still going to have inequality in the sense of men going, well, um, yeah, we'll, we'll help out the white women. It's still not equal. And so from that came what came to be described as solidarity feminism, mm -hmm. which I'm a big believer of personally. Um, when I was reading about Marxist feminism and the, the progression, at first I was like, oh God, yeah, this, <laughs> you know, it was, it was tiring, but I think that overall they did seem to listen to each other and grow and how to get better. And with solidarity politics, you, you recognize and you acknowledge all of these subsets because they are all important. Like I said, what white women face is not the same as what non-binary and transgender individuals mm -hmm. face, particularly in the black community. Mm -hmm. Black women face, brown women face, it's not the same. So you do need to focus individually on each of those subsets and what their struggles are to move forward, but you still all need to do it together. Absolutely. You, you need to, if, if you're on the next step, reach out and help the person behind you mm -hmm. come up as well. Not just sprinting up the steps as fast as you possibly can and mm -hmm. leaving everyone else behind. Because that's not what feminism is. Um, so that, I mean, that's something I kind of wanted to talk about as far as even how it relates to now. I think that a lot of liberal politics are still so obsessed with this identity politics. Like Pete Buttigieg, prime example. Mm -hmm. That clown, if he, <laughs> I'm, I mean, don't get me wrong, as a member of the queer community, obviously there is major oppression still, constantly. But taking some white boy from Indiana who has, you know, a college education and is well-to-do and somehow became mayor of a city that disproportionately treated black people like shit, mm -hmm. I'm not going to go... Oh my god, yeah, he's gay, that means he's great. And that is something that I think we saw from the liberals big time during the election season is who do they identify with? Yeah. Yes, there's women on the stage, however, are they good women who adequately represent the populations that they're supposed to be coming from? No. Kamala Harris. Don't get me wrong, I would love a black woman to be president but not a black woman who spent her career locking up black women and children. Mm -hmm. That is not productive. Let me know when Angela Davis runs again. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. People who actually come from these movements, and that's one thing that, since we're talking about it, uh, that's one thing that in, in this particular election season I've come to like about the Howie Hawkins campaign is he actually chose Angela Walker as his VP running mate. And I know that people don't take the Green Party seriously, but I think it's important to show that you can choose black women. There are tons. There is an endless supply, mm -hmm. to put it that way, of solid activist feminist black women out there who are fighting the fight, mm -hmm. the real fight, and have been fighting the fight, who 
could greatly contribute to our political system if they would be allowed to. Mm -hmm. So when you try to shove crappy non-male candidates down people's throats, it really kind of ruins it. Mm -hmm. uh, did, do I want a woman president? Did I want a woman president? Yeah, but is Hillary Clinton the best woman in, in the country to run it? Absolutely not. Well, and I think one of the major foibles or flaws of liberal identity politics is a consistent missing of the forest for the individual identity tree. Mm -hmm. And just because somebody looks like you, just because somebody shares a group with you, mm -hmm. does not mean they have your best interests at heart. Right. Uh, it requires a truly holistic and systemic understanding of somebody's individuality. This is, again, to go back to me slandering the dirtbag left, why you can't have class reductionists. People are very complex, mm -hmm. woven of many different roles that they play in a society. Mm -hmm. If you're not gonna take the time to analyze and truly evaluate your individual role, what, how what you're doing impacts both people in your role and in other roles, mm -hmm. You're not a revolutionary. Right. You just like the rose or you just like the hammer and sickle. Uh, one of Marx's texts is called a ruthless critique of everything that exists. And I think that that's how we have to be. Yeah. We have to consistently be, be looking past, especially in our movements, especially mm -hmm. with fellow revolutionaries, especially with fellow progressive folk. We have to be ruthlessly mm -hmm. looking and analyzing are we truly doing what is best for everyone? Yeah, and I think people forget that. They get they get kind of lost in, in what is good for them or their ego or, or their career or movement forward and they just kind of leave everyone else behind. And it's like, you, you can't say that you are a part of what's supposed to be a revolutionary movement for the better of, I mean, the Bernie campaign was not me, us. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what it should be. But so many people in what you call the dirtbag left, they, they preach not me, us, in the sense of, as you put it, their forest. Not the forest as a whole, but the forest of them and their buddies and what's going to be best for them. And, and it just doesn't work that way. And that's, I appreciate where, to me, feminism came from. But as you said, if you reduce it just to class, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Even poor white people are not treated the same as poor or even well-to-do black people. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. your white privilege really kind of goes along with this and, and when it pertains to feminism. And I think that it's important to note that I've been talking about women and non-male comrades in regards to feminism, but Men, be a damn feminist. Yeah. Nothing is stopping you. Yeah. Get past, educate yourself, and get past the illusion of the identity of like, well, uh, people are just going to think that I, you know, I think women are better than men, and it's like, so, yeah. <laughs> who cares? Yeah. Let them think that you think yeah. that, and educate them on what feminism truly is, because unless we particularly in the left actually adopt this and follow it 
our movement will do nothing. Mm -hmm. It will fail. Movements have failed because of the fact that they refuse to focus on solidarity politics and they focus too much on themselves. And liberalism is really a leech on the leftist movement. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and just to kind of tack on to that, you know, Bell Hooks has this amazing, and I know I keep bringing her, no, but she's okay. really good yeah. about, with this stuff yeah. and kind of opened my mind uh, quite a bit. I recommend everybody go look up as much as you can and read as much as you can by her. But she talks about, and this is not to conflate the two, but she talks about in an oppressor-oppressed relationship, both are changed. Mm -hmm. it, it is not healthy for men right. to be in this patriarchy either. Right. You know, we, we, it's like eight, average eight years shorter lifespan. Mm -hmm. Kill ourselves at much higher rate. Mm -hmm. Automobile accidents, gun violence, drug addiction, yeah. mental health issues. And this is not to say, oh, we've got it just as bad. But it is to say that we are not benefiting from this either. Right. So you have nothing, sort of quote marks here, you've got nothing to lose but your patriarchal change as well, yeah. men. Yeah. And, and, well, and, the, and the pressure that men put on themselves to project this hyper-masculinity, to be a tough guy and to be a savior, the male savior ego is a huge problem that exists in the leftist movement and in all movements. Mm -hmm. But I think, as you said, yeah, men don't benefit from this either. Yeah. I mean, you can be emotional and you can be in tune to what you're actually feeling as a person rather than suppressing it. Yeah. And I think that that is what leads to those high suicide rates and high levels of violence. Absolutely. Is the fact that men, if they would approach things from a more feminist perspective, they would see what you're saying, that it, that the toxic patriarchy does not benefit them. As much as they think, oh, I have more power or I make more money, most of those people are miserable. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it, remember that anything that's given to you as a favor can be revoked mm -hmm. at a moment's notice. This is one of the, uh, not to continue slandering them, but I think they need slandered as much as possible, but the dirtbag lit. If you think for a second that if we just get a few concessions from the ruling class, some economic concessions, that suddenly we'll be on, on course for revolution, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And not only are you wrong, you've now sided with the oppressor. Right. And so you have no room right. in our movement. Mm -mm. You have no room anywhere on the left, even in the, the quote, progressive side of things. I don't want you, and we don't need you. Right. And we were talking about how men would benefit from feminism. I just want to push even further. Growing up assigned male at birth, growing up with four men in the household. It was a lovely household, it was great. Feminist parents, but we're still subjected to society, mm -hmm. right? You're still, yeah. you know, went to a small school, you know, uh, mostly hung out with men for a lot of my youth. And you pick up these things that like you said, in an internalization of poor behavior mm -hmm. and inability to cope with emotions aside from anger or happiness. Yeah. But I think 
that as I rejected sort of the classical labels of masculinity, that is to say uncaring, uh, angry, domineering, mm -hmm. you know, for all these things that men say these, these emotions and these characteristics get them, it doesn't. Right. You being an asshole has never really netted you any sex, for example, right. just to right. be straight up. Right. In fact, you've probably only been getting sex in spite of those things. Right. If, if your partners were really truly being honest, they would probably say they hated those right. things about you right. and they, to they, they learned to tolerate it for your good characteristics. Right. One thing that I've really noticed as I've grown as a feminist and I've adopted and, and internalized these things, I'm, and I'm not saying you won't have fights, I'm not saying that there won't be nasty breakups still. Mm. I'm not trying to preach anybody a miracle cure. But I tell you what, the arguments that have come up are much e more easily resolved. Mm -hmm. They do not get nasty and personal. Right. And by, by being open, honest, and sensitive of my own needs and, and communicating these, mm -hmm. I get what I want right. when I want it. Right. And that's not, it, it doesn't have to be at the expense of anyone. Right. Because if you're open. Yeah. That's the key. You get what you want, but the, per the other person also gets what they want. Instead of it being a compromise of, well, I don't want Eric to freak out and hit me or break mm -hmm. something, mm -hmm. so I'm just going to do what he wants. It's it's actually a mutually beneficial situation where you've communicated, they've communicated, and you both can make a rational decision together based on that. I think it definitely having, in, in a heteronormative or otherwise relationship, having both individuals be feminist and understanding and in tune with their emotions, I don't see how anyone would find a problem with that. Yeah. I mean, for me, dating a man or a woman, if, if they, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm the best communicator. I'm very in tune with my feelings, but I don't always communicate them because I don't want to inconvenience other people, which is something I'm working on. However, don't make that face at me. <laughs> But my point in sharing that is the fact that you have to be with people who you feel comfortable with that know that, and you know that they respect you. And that is in an intimate romantic relationship and even just in revolutionary camaraderie. Mm -hmm. If you are with people who you don't feel are in tune with you emotionally and respect your emotions and respect your feelings, it's a recipe for disaster. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's, this is a great segue into just kind of touching on some of the things about toxic masculinity, which we've sort of briefly breezed over. But uh, I just wanted, I have here pulled up. I don't think most people understand where that term came from because it didn't spring fully formed out of people's mouths five years ago or whenever it starts showing up in the discourse recently. Uh, term toxic masculinity actually originated in the mythopoetic men's movement mm. of the 1980s and 1990s. And 
it was used back then, you know, the, this group of people were talking about how men are really reduced to almost a caricature by our society. Yeah. These ideas of, of super aggression, mm -hmm. willingness to kill, maim, use violence at a moment's notice, mm -hmm. capacity to do so, being out of touch with their emotions. And they, they, these men were pointing out how, much like the hook says, we've denigrated ourselves as the oppressor. Mm -hmm. We've reduced ourselves as well as our non-male comrade. Mm -hmm. Because really, the way you just described it, men are basically only tools of oppression. Mm -hmm. They've reduced themselves to being if you're only violent, aggressive, non-emotional, at that point, that's all you are, is a tool of oppression, Absolutely. so that you don't feel guilty for your sins. Yeah. Absolutely, and it, I, I love the way that you just put that, so I'm gonna carry off of that. Go ahead, please. Feeling guilty for our sins. It provides an absolution mm -hmm. for poor behavior, for childlike behavior, for men, to continue replicating the, the systems at large in their own smaller household dynamic, friendships, mm -hmm. uh, uh, relationships, both romantic and platonic. But when you reduce yourself to that caricature, you are in essence a small capitalist. Mm -hmm. You are uh, the little god king in your family, right. you know, and, and patriarchy didn't originate with capitalism, but capitalism sure has used it. Oh, absolutely. And so therefore, as revolutionaries, if we want to dismantle capitalism, this is why class reductionism fails, you have to look at the tools that it has used and invert each of those tools. Mm -hmm. You have to be anti-racist because capitalism uses racism. Right. You have to be anti-imperialist because capitalism uses colonialism and imperialism to advance itself. And with regards to this, you have to be feminist mm -hmm. if you are going to be a revolutionary. Yeah. Otherwise, you are not truly a revolutionary. At best, you're a social chauvinist. At worst, you're a reactionary wearing sheep's clothing. Because remember, Nazis even made uh, feints towards workers' rights, feints oh, towards... Right. Uh, treating women well. well they yeah. said all sorts of things. Well, you can be a terrible person and still know to market to marginalized Absolutely. groups, even if you don't plan to actually help them excel, you can market to them. And I think that brings forth an interesting perspective or an interesting dynamic I wanted to bring up too, as far as what you put as social chauvinism. Mm -hmm. Men, some men, not good ones, have realized this opportunity. And you, you see men practicing fake feminism in order to continue oppression. And it's gross. It's, it's something I think, most notably in college, I saw a lot of, is fake smart boy men who oh yeah I, I believe in you know women's equality and I'm I'm a feminist as they're unbuttoning your pants yeah. you know there's this weird dynamic of 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 
male assigned people even using feminism as a tool to continue oppression. So I think it's important for us non-male individuals to be not weary, but just pay attention. Absolutely. Because there are wolves in sheep's clothing Absolutely. within the movement. And it's a quick way to continue being oppressed by your partner in a system that has already been created to oppress you as a non-male person. So I think it's important for us to pay attention to those red flags because obviously um, domestic violence is a, is a big feminist issue that stems from what we've talked about, the hyper-masculinity and the aggressiveness and the inability to be in tune with your emotions. So I just think as far as, you know, what we talk about the way forward, I think it's really important for us to make sure that the movement is sincere. You can preach all day to say, well, I believe in women's rights and I do this. But if you don't actually put women first, if you don't actually practice what you preach, your movement is only as powerful as its weakest individual. Absolutely. And that's not because that individual is weak, but because that individual is carrying the entire system for you. So I think it's just important for us to focus on that dynamic of not, not fake identity wokeness mm -hmm. and actually, as you, as you say and you do, practice what you preach. Absolutely. In the sense of, you can't walk around and say, oh, yeah, I'm a feminist and then get home and be mad at your partner because they didn't do the dishes or... Or didn't know, want to have sex with you. Or didn't you. want to have sex with you. Which, by the way, is everybody's fucking prerogative all the time. <laughs> right. Whenever they don't yeah. want to have sex with you, nobody has to have sex with you. Right. And you were talking to our non-male comrades. I'm going to shift gears real quick. Yeah, please. And talk to our male comrades, mm -hmm. especially in the revolutionary left movement. Look, guys, we have predators that infiltrate our groups. Yes. They do this to any group, mm -hmm. predators find groups of people. Yeah. That's what they do. They find churches to prey on children. They find schools to prey on children. Lots of woke bros, mm -hmm. I'm using air quotes, lots of them love to infiltrate and get themselves into a movement that makes them look like, oh wow, he's a really sensitive dude. Mm -hmm. And I just want to point out, people are known by their fruit. People will show you who they are eventually. It may take them some time. Believe them when they show you who they really are. But to the men, it is on us, it is our responsibility to drive these predators out of our spaces, to give them no time, to give them no energy, and to give them no platform from which to be a predator on our non-male comrades. You know, people say, oh, well, I'm not this, so I guess I'm all right. It's just like racism. It's not enough to be not racist. Yeah. You have to be anti-racist. Mm -hmm. It's not enough to be not a sexual predator. You have to be anti-sexual predation. You have to actively isolate, drive out, and destroy these reactionary elements, mm -hmm. or else we none of us are going to be free. Right. You know, it's like we've said none of us are free until all of us are free mm -hmm. there's a, a beautiful uh, 
Emma Goldman quote that I love, and she says, look, I don't want to be a part of any revolution if I can't dance in it. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> right. you know, we're as strong as our, our weakest member, and if you allow predators in that drag down mm-hmm. our weakest members, and I'm using weak in terms of material power, right. not in right. heart or capacity, right. uh, and then I kind of want to shift just a little bit, still talking to the men, but less about the predators. Now I want to talk about our personal issues that each one of us has that we have to struggle against being a product of patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Look, if there's a woman that's doing all of the dirty organizing work in your organization, you're doing it wrong. Nobody wants to sit and make spreadsheets. Nobody wants to do phone trees to ensure that people show up. Mm-hmm. It has been a recurrent issue on the left where non-male comrades have carried movements only for a man to swoop in, take the credit, be lauded in the history books. I wonder how many of you can name Nelson Mandela's wife. Because Winnie is the one that ran the whole movement while he was in prison. I wonder how many of you can name some of the women in the civil rights movement here in America who have been relegated to the dustbin of history in spite of being the ones that truly pushed Mm -hmm the male comrades to actually do things. Right. So, you know, it's not just enough to push the predators out. It's also, you have to kill the predator in your own mind. Mm-hmm. The one that's been implanted since you were a boy, mm-hmm. since you were a babe. Right. Given everything that you've ever wanted, because all of us have, even if we came up in, in poor houses. Mm-hmm. If we're a man, you have by and large had the easy mode video game started. Right. It is time, it's past time, but it is time now. If you're listening to this and you're wondering, how do I be, how can I be a revolutionary feminist? Firstly, speak a little bit less. Mm -hmm. Secondly, if you see a woman or a non-male comrade speaking and they're being spoke over, stop what's going on, center her voice, and quiet the other people. Because it's important that we do, you know, these, this idea that everything's going to be either a full-on battle or nothing mm-hmm. is ludicrous. So much of the work happens quietly with very minimal oppression or very minimal attention paid to it. Mm-hmm. So much of this work is in producing the society that we want to see within our organizations already. Right. So just to kind of tie up my yelling at men right now. (laughs) Be better. If you are a quote leftist, if you are a quote progressive or a socialist or a communist, and you have not centered, put forward, and accepted the leadership of your non-male comrades, you are not doing it right. Mm -hmm. I urge you to go reread Marx. I urge you, please start seeing this as the system that it is that you are still a part of in spite of wanting to be not a part of it, mm-hmm. in spite of wanting to abolish it, right. you remain a product of patriarchy. Yeah. And I tell you the truth, male comrades, your life will improve mm-hmm. substantially. Your emotional connections with people will be deeper and more genuine. Mm-hmm. Your organizations will flourish. Mm-hmm. 
you will have the correct theoretical line. And this is not to say that women don't make, non-male comrades don't make mistakes theory-wise or practice-wise, but this is to say that because they are more oppressed, mm -hmm. that they are more likely to hold the correct revolutionary line. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say from, from my perspective, speaking to women and non-male comrades, particularly white women, mm -hmm. same thing. We have to do better. We have to up, uplift the voices of black women, trans women, mm -hmm. black trans women mm -hmm. particularly, and, and everyone in between because white women have benefited the most from the patriarchal system. Even though we are still oppressed by it 100%, we are not as oppressed as our non-white comrades. And I think that, again, that ties back to utilizing your white privilege. Even as a woman, you can be oppressed and still not be nearly as oppressed as other people. Affirmative action and hiring white women. They're the number one benefactor of affirmative action, which was created for more diversity, which, great, we need more women. But we need more black women. We need more brown women. We need more we need more diversity in the voices that are being projected. So I just, from my perspective, wanted to say to other white women, and we're all guilty of it. As, as women or as queer people, if you're in a marginalized group, you want to stand up and say, well, hold on a minute. I want to fight this. And that's great. You have a right to fight it. However, in the same sense, if you're shouting over a voice of someone who's oppressed more than you and who has experienced greater hardships than you, you're being counter-revolutionary. We have to uplift and project the voices of the people who are automatically disregarded and not listened to because of their skin color or their, um, or their, or their background or where they come from. Because I think so many particularly black women within movements are discredited. As you said, name, name the wives of, of your revolutionaries. You probably can't, even though they did a hell of a lot of work behind the scenes. And it's important to note that within the system of revolution, there is still this problem. So as you said, men, male comrades, non-male comrades, we have to do better in self-awareness and self-reflection on what we can do moving forward to better hear each other. Your movement is going to be better if you have diverse input from people and diverse experiences to build on. If, if just you and I start a movement as, as to white folks, as two cis white folks, even if we try to be inclusive, mm -hmm. if we just focus on ourselves, there's no point. Absolutely. We're not going to accomplish anything. No, it'd be a fart in the whirlwind. Right. I mean, it's just, there's, there, there's nothing to gain from that. So that's, that's my preach to white women in particular is to, to focus, focus more and focus on I think both sides can focus on helping each other. 
if your if your male partner comes to you in tears over something that happened, don't call him a sissy and tell him to buck up. You know, because that is an issue that happens. Um, you know, a lot of men's emotions are oppressed by women or other men, and I think it is important as women to encourage emotionally healthy behavior within the men in our lives. It's not our job to make them be better. But we need to acknowledge that if if our male comrades are trying to be better, we need to help encourage that behavior. Absolutely. Not It's not our job to force it to happen, but it is our job to support it. And the same thing from the other, the other side. Men, support women, period. Absolutely. Support your non-male comrades, listen to them, and project their voices. Well, and to kind of give my little wrap up, uh, we've come at a lot of people this hour, and I'm very sincere in that. I think there's a lot of critique to be made, but I also want to point out that when we make critiques as revolutionaries, I I want people to reject this liberal idea of individual beating myself over the back guilt. Mm -hmm. Look, it's a system, it's fucked up. You've benefited from it. Everybody here is listening to this has benefited from it one way or the other. Because I'm relatively certain we've got nobody from Guatemala listening to this right now. So if you're in the Imperial Corps, you've benefited from it somewhat. It doesn't require you to go, oh God, I'm so guilty. What it does require from you is revolutionary vigor to make an honest critique of yourself with the help of your comrades. This is another thing you said about you know, non-male comrades helping male comrades to be more in tune with their emotions. Male comrades, seek out and don't, oh, give me your time at their convenience. Mm-hmm. But request critiques of your behavior. Right. Ask people, how am I doing? Not for this sense of I'm going to beat myself over the back, but for a sense of I need to be honest with my critiquing Mm -hmm. and I need to be progressive, small p progressive, towards the revolutionary ideal that I want to be seen in the world. Mm -hmm. I'm not an anarchist. I got a lot of anarchist friends though. And one thing that I love about their theory is they consistently talk about pre-configuring the world that we want to be in. It is time now to plant seeds that we may never see grow. Yeah. But if we can provide a gentler, kinder, more loving world, 20 years down the line, 40 years down the line, even 100 years down the line, Mm -hmm. not an iota of that effort was wasted. I do think, I think what, to touch on what you said about being open to critique, as men create safe spaces create spaces for for women and non-male comrades to feel comfortable speaking out. And even if that is saying, hey, I want you to tell me, can you please tell me what I can do better? Or just by listening. If you actively listen to someone, they're going to feel more comfortable talking to you. And so I just think it's important to, within the movement, 
create those safe spaces for non-male comrades to speak out because it's counter-revolutionary not to, mm-hmm. to be frank. Absolutely. It's, you're, you're not accomplishing anything productive by ignoring the marginalized members of your movement and of your community. So as you said, moving forward, we have to create these safe spaces. We have to have these conversations. We have to be open to criticism and put our egos aside and speaking to each other because in 20 years from now, looking back, we're going to think it's dumb that we even had to sit down and talk about this. Mm-hmm. If, if we do things right. Absolutely. If we actually follow the correct theory and if we actually put that theory into practice we're going to wonder why we ever did things the other way to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is moving forward, as we always talk about at the end of the episode of what we can do to move forward. And we kind of have already touched on that of just shut the hell up and listen to each other. Long story short. So I got this infographic from a good friend of mine who I used to work with uh, named Miracle. She's a, actually a Juris Doctor and just recently got her Master's in Social Work. And it's just really all around an inspiration to me and a really good person. So shout out to her. But anyway, I just thought this was really specifically helpful to what we were talking about today. It's from Black Masculinity Reimagined, which obviously is geared towards black folks, but of course can be cross-utilized in general to stop hypermasculinity. And so it kind of just references um, how to bring up the young people and apply it to yourself to kind of disintegrate these binaries of how men versus women in general in society are supposed to act. So gender neutral care, all babies are shown empathy, compassion, and care. People are not encouraged to make assumptions on how they should be based on sex assigned at birth. Mm -hmm. That's such a simple thing Mm -hmm. to not automatically from birth force these binaries onto children. Emotional literacy and focused upbringing. Obviously, emotional intelligence is key to moving forward. I'm just gonna briefly touch on, on these because I don't need to dive too deep into them, but I felt like it was an important thing to keep in mind. Um, Healing-centered coping strategies. Just coping without the intent to heal is pointless. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a big issue with male comrades in particular, if you wanted to touch on that. You got got pretty excited there. I just wanted to poke in because healing-based coping Mm -hmm. has a lot to do with transformative justice. Mm -hmm in that consistently, and it comes partly from the Abrahamic religion, cultural, which we talk on another time, but there's this idea in our society that if I'm wronged, somebody must be punished. Mm -hmm. Not that healing must occur and Mm -hmm. the wrong must be righted, Mm -hmm. but that punishment must occur. And this goes all the way down to our basic emotions Mm -hmm. and the basal ape reactions to being slighted. So yeah, we need to to focus on righting the wrong 
rather than looking for punishment to be laid out. Because if you have a splinter and you've got an infection in the splinter, you can take antibiotics all you want, but if you never pull that splinter out, mm -hmm. you're never going to address the root problem and you're never going to have healing. Right. So. Yeah. Um, the next point that was listed was accountable communities, which I think we kind of really already touched on in the sense of be accountable for your actions and how they affect other people. Hold, hold your community accountable for change and be vocal with what you expect from them as far as moving forward. Uh, and the last point is thriving families, which as you always say, revolution starts in the home. Really, we don't, we don't have control over the whole world, but we do have control over those, not control, but we have, we have control over how we act towards the people around us, how you are with your partner, the emotional intimacy you have with your children, who you are bringing up to eventually, if we last that long, take over the world one day. It is important to practice what you preach and display emotional intimacy for those who are watching you because they will learn from watching you. So I, I just wanted to bring up that infographic because I felt like it really, really hit home what we were talking about today. So I think we'll leave it at that. I just want everyone to kind of be self-aware and maybe self-reflect on what we can do differently because we can all do something differently. We can all be more in tune with our emotions and, and more open to criticism and open to change and open to vulnerability in the sense of moving forward 100%. So I think that's all we had. Thank you guys for listening. Have a great week. See you guys.